Gateway family, it is absolutely a pleasure once again to be sharing this time and this space with you all. Uh, it's such a privilege to be able to stand here in this space looking at a camera and sharing God's word with you all, and I take great honor and great privilege in the opportunity to do this. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to already get them open to Ephesians 3 as we're going to be looking at the Paul's prayer that he writes and records there for you and for I to learn from and to study and to uh, be blessed by, uh, particularly there in verses 14 through 22. And we'll get there. We'll get there soon enough. But a, a number of weeks ago, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed as, as we do. And I was looking at pictures of kids doing silly things. I was looking at ads for various DIY projects and, and silly memes that just, you know, just never really made me laugh. And so it was even one of those moments where I was like, what am I doing? Why did I even log on? There's nothing worthwhile here. I just need to go and do something else useful. But then I came across a post, this post by uh, a former professor of mine. His name is Fred Fulford. From the years of 2002 to 2007, I was a student at Summit Pacific Bible College here in Abbotsford as I was doing my best to learn about what the call of ministry on my life was to look like. And after a series of really difficult and also equally really neat conversations, I ended up in Fred Fulford's pastoral theology program. Well, the day that I graduated in 2007, I think it was in uh, May or early April, uh, it was our actual graduation ceremony, and Fred Fulford always walked around with the camera snapping pictures. Well, he came up and snapped a picture and, uh, of, of me, and it was, it was neat, uh, but he, he, he just went on with his camera snapping pictures of everyone else. This is what he did. And I never really knew why until I saw this particular post just a couple of weeks ago. It's a pe- collected picture of many of the students that he, he taught and mentored over the years. And as I looked at it, I looked for myself, and there I was, right there, smack in the middle of it all. And I was just so surprised to actually see my face there, because I thought, there's no way I'm going to even find my face there. But sure enough, there it was. And then after looking at it and finding, finding myself in it, I went back and actually looked for the post that Fred wrote. Now, you could hardly read that on there, but I'll read it for us here. What Fred wrote about this particular group of pictures was, this is the prayer wall in the pastoral program director's office at Summit Pacific College, and it includes most of the students have had the privilege of teaching over two decades. God bless them all. I guess I was I was stopped in my scrolling. I was stopped in my tracks. And I thought, of course, of course Fred is going to be sitting in his office praying over his students, and especially with a wall like this that existed in his office of every student, most students, that he's taught over the 20 years of how to be pastors. Of course he spent time in praying, praying for them. And so this professor, Fred, was one of two teachers that I had in my, my undergrad there who spent time with me, who invested life into me, and inspired me the most to become a a church worker, to become a pastor, to pursue that call of ministry on my life. And early on in our story there, he was one who actually heard the Spirit words saying, accept him into your program. I've got big plans for him. And so the really, really neat thing about Fred, uh, all of this, and the text that we're approaching today, is that Fred absolutely loved the works of Paul. He loved studying them, he loved teaching them, he loved living them out, and every moment he had, he would be investing himself into Paul's words. And now here today, I'm going to connect his prayers for for me and my fellow students at Summit College there uh, to one of Paul's prayers for his audience in Ephesus. 
and for the future church, which includes the likes of Fred, all of these students, all of you and myself included. And I guess, I guess I also think often of Fred's prayers now as I've printed off this picture and put it up by my computer in my office here, as it reminds me of the great men and women who have gone before me, who have lifted me up in prayer along the way. And now we get to read this text and just see how you and I are continued to be strengthened by Paul's prayers that he prayed 2,000 years ago. But ahead of that, just again, I don't know if any of you have had or had the experience of someone praying over you in person. Maybe you've been in the hospital uh, and an elder or a pastor came in and prayed for your healing. Maybe you've gone out for coffee with a close friend where you shared some pretty hard stuff and your friend there prayed for you in that moment that you would find God's direction. Maybe you've been with a teacher and you've struggled with an assignment and you're, you're talking to them and they prayed that you would experience the Lord's hand of provision and of guidance through your task. And these moments are precious in the Christian journey. But here I also now invite you to hear Paul's praying voice for you, praying this prayer over you and our entire church community. So let's read Ephesians 3, 14 through 22. Starting in verse 14, Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, the length, and height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Forever and ever. Amen. So now instead of pulling a bunch of how-tos and should-haves from this text. I want us to sit and simply enjoy hearing Paul's three requests for you and for I as he's hoping and requesting of the Lord that we would be able to grow into. So let's look at these three requests. The first is that we would receive inner strength from and through the Holy Spirit. The first request that he makes is that we would receive that inner strength from and through the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. In the Sermon on the Mount, one of my favorite groupings of text, Jesus says to us, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then Paul also, in a similar vein, he writes to those in Philippi, saying, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And what I see happening in both of these texts is that God's promise of provision, that God will provide for all of our needs. And he knows that we need clothing. He knows that we need sustenance and food and drink. He knows all those things. But we get the sense as Jesus is talking to uh, his audience there in John that there's something more that we need. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He will give you the Holy Spirit. 
to be with you forever. And even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him. Jesus is speaking to you and I saying, but you know him. Therefore, he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, Paul continues to pray that his audience in Ephesus and you and I, that we would receive more than just food and clothing. That we would also be able to, be able to receive that exact same helper, the Holy Spirit. But Paul talked about this a little bit earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, where he wrote this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him when you grew in your faith in Christ Jesus, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit as you grew into that faith. Carries on. And who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? And what this means is that when the Spirit is in us, because of the faith that we have, it means that when we pray prayers like, God, give me strength, or, or when we pray prayers like, God, help me through this incredibly difficult moment. Help me understand this health crisis. Help me find space to get through it all. The Father will provide you what you stand in need of through the Holy Spirit, through, uh, sorry, the other slide, through the Helper, when you need it, as you need it. Which is an incredible assurance that we can make it through this life knowing that we don't even have to do it on our own, that the Spirit will be provided for us as we need it. But I, I still hear some of you asking how this actually works and how we actually see it and how we actually experience it. Well, I want to go back to, with, to, to and share with you two stories that I have from my own life that help ground me in the sense that the Spirit is alive and active, sometimes whether I know it or not. And these stories are getting kind of old, so I, I pretty much promise you that some of you have already heard these, but that's okay. We will carry on uh, with this first one, and it's, I titled it A Conversation with Joe. In my first church where I worked, uh, I was the young adult ministry coordinator uh, intern, and I was in there as a, as a, at the church there to help the young adults that came to our events get plugged into the life of our whole church. And there's this one guy there, his name was Joe, and he came as a musician and he wanted to get involved in our worship teams and my role was to help him get there and to find ways to do that. And we spent time together talking and planning and getting him involved and a friendship grew and he ended up coming to the same Baba College I was a part of. He lived in the similar area of Surrey, so we carpooled together and we grew into a friendship. It was pretty neat. What even got neater is that we found out that his mom worked at a similar place as my mother-in-law. And once they figured out that their son and son-in-law were, were friends and growing in that kind of relationship there, uh, they started talking, they shared. And one day, Joe's mom said to my mother-in-law, hey, it's because of your son-in-law that my son is now experiencing the joy of going to Bible college and is exploring the call of God's ministry on his life. And so my mother-in-law shared that with me, and I was like, wow, I, I, I don't remember any conversation like that. I can't remember for the life of me where I would have said those things to, to Joe. I, I just can't remember. I mean, we talked about all kinds of things, but I, I don't re ever remember that particular moment. Well, I wrestled with that knowledge for, uh, for a couple of weeks, and finally I approached Joe one time as we were driving to school together on uh, a particular morning. I was like, Joe, what? what I heard about this now. What, what's up with that? When did it happen? And I was surprised by, by Joe's absolute certainty and clarity about what that moment looked like for him. 
we were in a particular room and I told him with, with full knowledge and certainty that he should explore uh, his call of ministry on his life and that he should go into Bible college. Well, the neat part is he signed up and he explored that. But up until then, you see, Joe was, ex- was seeking out God's direction in his life. And he'd been wanting to hear the voice of God uh, speak to him into that direction. And then it happened. In a simple conversation with another simple person seeking to be a part of God's story here on earth. And I believe this part to be true, that the Spirit uses our words to impact the lives of others. That the Spirit uses our words to impact the lives of others. And this comes from his inner work within us, sometimes without us even being fully aware of what he is doing. And it's meant for the purpose of God's glory and his growing kingdom. And so God, by the Spirit, uses our words to impact the lives of others. And so the second story, it's it's about my own daughter. And it's, it's a little more closer to home. You see, a few days after Taryn, my middle daughter, was born, she, um, we discovered a, an incredibly high fever on her forehead. And if you know anything about infants and, and fevers, that the two should never mix, and usually it points to something significantly wrong. So we rushed her to the hospital, dropping our older daughter, Tiana, off at a friend's house. And at the hospital there, they, they ran tests and all sorts of things to find out just how sick she was, and she was actually really, really quite sick. And so we ended up staying at the hospital there for five days, traveling this journey of this sick, really sick little girl, uncertain about how much danger she was actually in. Early on there, as in our stay, our pastor came to visit us, Pastor Colin, at Living Hope there. And I remember him praying that the Spirit would give us strength every single day, that the Spirit would empower us every hour and would provide for us every single minute as we watched and cared for our daughter. Then somehow through those five days that we were there, we managed to get the rest that we needed. Our, our church family and our own immediate families came and provided meals for us so that we could have the sustenance we needed to care for and to love our child. Also, my, the volunteers at my church and my role there, they all stepped into high gear and made sure that everything that I was in charge of continued to happen, that the work of the Lord still would continue. And you see, the Spirit uses the actions of others to impact our lives. The Spirit uses the actions of others. The things that you do, the things that you share, the the way that you live, He uses those things to impact the lives of others, giving us strength to face each day, giving us the ability to care for and to love our sick little girl in those moments. But now I'm happy to say that those moments came to a close pretty quick, like as I discovered what was wrong, medication was working, her fever went away, we went home, and nine years later, almost nine years later, our little girl is happy and healthy and rocking in life. But what I see happening in these two stories is that I hear the Lord answering Paul's request that we would receive this inner strength from and through the Holy Spirit. And in stories like these, though, it becomes easy to identify the work of the Spirit as we look into the past. Hindsight is... Well, it's 2020. But how do we see the Spirit working today in this exact moment where we are right now? Well, Paul's words here at 2 Corinthians helps me to visualize where I need to start. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, our bodies are wasting away, our inner self, the inner part of us, our soul, our hearts, though they're being renewed day by day by the Spirit. For this light momentary affliction, these pains that we live through, are preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, well, they're transient. They're going to come and they're going to go. They're going to disappear. They're going to fade. But the things that are unseen, well, they are eternal. Well, it doesn't necessarily fully say it articulately in this passage, but what I hear Paul encouraging us to do with the work of the Spirit, just because the Spirit is, is not seen, it doesn't mean that his work goes unseen. Think of the wind. We've had a, a few windstorms uh, come through a little bit here. And we can, we, can, we can see the effects of the wind. We see the trees move. We see the shrubs move around. Even those little spinning things on the tops of our roofs, they spin a little bit more uncontrollably. We hear the effects of it. We feel the effects of it. We feel the wind up against our bodies blowing us around. But we need to start looking for those effects. And when it comes to the work of the Spirit, I put it like this. We need to look for it. We need to keep our eyes open towards how it's actually happening. I went to a conference uh, a number of years ago. It was in Vancouver, and it was early in the morning, and I didn't get breakfast yet. And I started this conference. It's all about listening to God and, uh, and enjoying his presence. And the speaker went up and he says, well, here's three things that I'm going to go send you out on assignment and go do them. And so he told us um, to start off, he said, as you go for a walk, I'm going to send you out to go for a walk, and I'm going to encourage you to explore looking for the Spirit in three different ways. It's simpler than you think. He first said, look to the left. And so he said in that very space, look to the left. So as you're watching, look to the left and ask yourself, what is God's hand doing in this very moment? What is the Lord's hand doing as I look to the left in this very moment? And as you key in your eyes in that direction and look with that kind of frame in mind, you will see something. And I remember going for a walk just after he told, kicked us out of the church there and to go for that walk. I was at the wards at the end of the walk and I looked to the left, just a little bit ahead of me and to the left. There's a homeless man in an alcove of the very church that we were meeting in and another gentleman with a sandwich in his hand looking back and forth at the sandwich and the man thinking, oh, wow, God, you're, you're providing. And so the man went and gave the sandwich to the homeless man and they actually broke the bread together and they sat down and had a conversation and they got to see God's hand of provision for all of his people. I thought that was just super neat. But then I also, on the same walk, I did what he told us, to look to the right. And so on that walk, I also looked to the right. And across the street from me, I, I saw, a, it was the simplest of things, just a couple holding hands as they walked in the morning. And, I, and I, as I looked to the right there, I saw God's hand in that loving embrace, that holding of hands, as you see God's compassion and love for each other modeled in that. It was just such a neat image. So as you go about your days, look to the left and look to the right, looking for God's hand in front of you, on the sides of you. But then finally, the instructor said, look straight ahead. Look directly in front of you at what the Lord is doing, at what the Spirit is doing right in front of you. And ask, Lord, by your Spirit, by your power, reveal to me what you are doing in front of me. And it's just such a neat exercise. I encourage you as you go about your family walks today, as you go and explore the areas that you go and explore, as you clean up your homes, as you work in your backyards, as you travel to and from from work, look to the left and look at what the Spirit is doing. Look to your right and look for what the Spirit is doing. And look straight ahead into the future, into the whatever is in front of you and wonder about the work of the Lord there then as you see those moments and as you engage in them, give God the glory and the gratitude that he's included you within it. 
which now leads us to our second verse, our second request. Paul prays that we would experience Christ's foundational love. Paul prays that we would experience Christ's foundational love. And so as we've already looked at the work of the Spirit and God the Spirit, we now get to look at God the Son and Jesus Christ doing his thing. Now, perhaps a few weeks ago, you, you might remember that Justin shared that story a few Sundays ago about looking at depravity, uh, looking at our sinful nature. And he used the story of the 33 men that were trapped 2,300 feet below the surface, trapped in that uh, Chilean mine shaft. Well, he described that those men were essentially the living dead, that outside of any help from the people up on the surface, they trapped down here were completely cut off. They had zero resources. They were dead to the world above. Well, if, the, if they weren't found in that particular shaft, who knows how long it would have been until they would have perished. I suspect it wouldn't have been very long because the resources were running out pretty quick. Well, as Pastor Justin shared that story with us, I looked it up on YouTube and I found a, an hour-long documentary about it all, which gave the full scope of what was going on in the entire salvation effort. Well, it took 25 days for the workers on the surface to drill down uh, a bunch of just, uh, exploratory shafts to see if they could find where the miners were trapped, to see if even there was a glimmer of hope that they were still alive. Well, they bore down five different uh, channels to get down into various depths of, these, of, of the mine shaft. And eventually, the last one that they drilled, the deepest one, they got down to a point in the shaft where they were able to discover life. Because as they got the, sh- the, the, the drill bit into the open part of the shaft, they stopped drilling, they stopped all the noise, and on the surface, they were able to hear some pinging. And they suspected that that, that pinging was man-made. And so... After a little bit, they they started pulling the drill bit back up. Four or five hours later, they saw the bottom of the drill bit, and at the bottom of the drill bit was a little note. And the note said, all 33 of us are alive and well. And you heard the joy just spread out through the entire camp uh, of all the workers that were on the surface. It was an incredible part of the the documentary to watch. But then the next 40 days uh, involved uh, just a ton of work as they looked for other ways in which they could bore down larger shafts so that they could find ways to get these men out. Well, they accomplished set efforts with a combined effort from people from all around the world. And then on day 67 or 68, I can't remember which, uh, they completed a 26-inch hole that was drilled from the surface all the way down to the place where they were. And they prepared a capsule to put down that shaft via a crane and to have that capsule lift up the people we saw that story of the joy that these men had as they came out. But then as they were preparing that capsule on the surface to go down, a man got into the capsule. One from the surface entered the capsule, got strapped in, in order to descend into the darkness below and to see and to test the viability of this mission. So in a life group that I lead on Monday mornings for a number of people, one of our members shared this part of the story, and she said, well, that sounds an awful lot like how Christ came down to us. And she said it with joy and enthusiasm. She said, that sounds a lot like how Christ came down to us. Well, our group had a moment of silence there as we realized just how true that must have been for those who were stuck down in that shaft. And how great of a commitment that that one man had in order to see that those men who were trapped would find safety. Let's pause here for a moment and imagine what that man felt as he got into that capsule. Can you imagine what was in his heart? Can you imagine his sense of love for those fellow trapped men? 
Could you imagine his level of compassion that he felt as he strapped himself into that, that cord that would lower him into darkness? But then on the other side, down here, could you imagine those men as they saw that capsule come down? As they saw a man within it that they were able to talk to? Could you imagine that sense of hope, that sense of joy that they must have felt in their hearts that they saw now with absolute certainty that they were no longer the living dead? Could you imagine what was going on in their hearts as that capsule went back up to the surface that they too could imagine themselves on that same pathway? Well, I find myself at this point in Paul's prayer thinking about what he wrote to the Philippians and what was often called the Christ hymn. Paul writes, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the very form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, Paul's heart for us in this prayer is that we would experience all what those miners were experiencing that joy and that hope and that sense of God's indwelling presence amongst them as they saw that capsule come down for that first time. As Paul says, what I hear him saying is, may that joy, may that hope, may that indwelling presence of God be what roots you and be what grounds you to the love of the Father. And so Paul uses those words on purpose, that rooted and grounded. And they're meant for us to conjure up images of trees being grounded into the earth and our homes being grounded by their foundations and anchored to the earth. We had just a bit of a windstorm uh, about a week and a half ago as I was was writing this. And I was impressed once again as I got home to see that the trees in our backyard withstood that daily challenge of the wind blowing at them. So it's similar too for our journeys of faith that when the winds of life, the challenges of life come and beat us down, that we should be rooted and grounded in the hope of the Father through the joy and the hope and the indwelling presence that Paul has been praying for us to receive. But as Paul continues to pray, we are not to experience this just on our own, but that we are to experience this with all the saints, with all the saints, every single one of them. We're, we're to experience this joy and this hope in community. That's, that's why in the season of distancing and, and separation, where we haven't been able to gather as a full body of believers, that we've stressed our life group ministry, that we've put a whole bunch of effort into our, into our, our youth ministry programs. Because God knows that we cannot live into these things on our own. We need each other to fully experience the fullness of him. That's why we've put together the Message Cafe so we could gather. That's why we put together our youth nights so that we could see our students gather and a variety of other things. That's why we're trying our best to come up with the solutions where we can actually gather in this space once again. You see, we're not designed to sit on our couches, on our homes, and to try and do this on our own. We're to do this with the saints, with the communion of the saints with the togetherness of the Christian body so that we can see and hope and feel that joy and experience the indwelling presence of God together with the communion of the saints. Which brings us into the third request that Paul makes. That we would grow into the Father's infinite fullness. That we would grow into the Father's infinite fullness. And so as we've seen the activity and function of God the Spirit and God the Son, Now we get to turn and see God the Father at work. 
desiring to fill us with everything that he has to offer. And I absolutely love the picture of the world in God's hands. It's perhaps, it's perhaps a, a, an overused illustration. It's perhaps one that we've sung in songs in Sunday school for far too long. But I think it's one that's of extreme value and helps us see this point. Picture with me the world and it literally being held in God's hand. This blue marble that floats around the sun endlessly is being gripped in the love of God and his gracious, gigantic hand. But also in the same sense, picture our Milky Way galaxy where our world and our solar system exists. And picture the entire scope of the universe and just the immense size of the entire thing. And somewhere in that immense universe is this tiny little blue and green marble floating around that rests entirely all in God's loving hands. To me, it's really inspiring just to think about how God is, how big he is, and how far he is, and how wide he is, and how deep his fullness really goes. But then somewhere in the middle of this little blue and green marble is you and I, right here in Canada. Maybe you're watching from Europe or the, or the States or somewhere else. But here we are floating in this space where everything that we have done, everything that we are doing, and everything we are yet to do happens on this blue and green marble, which is absolutely incredible. And as I think about this, somewhere in the middle of it, as we are here serving, as we are here living, God invites you and I to participate in his fullness. We get called to be a part of his glory that is shaping the planet, that is shaping this earth, that is shaping his people. And I think that is just absolutely astounding that God invites us to participate in his fullness. He doesn't just say, hey, we're earth, hey, people on there, just go about your own thing and go on and live and do what it is that you're going to do and hopefully we'll, we'll meet in the middle. No, God says, I invite you to participate in my fullness. And as I think about us being part of his story, I think of stories like Noah and the ark, where God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence and through them, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. God could have just eradicated all the things he needed to eradicate and take care of Noah and his family as he needed to, but he invites Noah to make an ark. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. I think of Moses and the divided sea. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by strong east wind all night to make the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. God could have done it on his own. He didn't need Moses to sit there with his hands stretched out, but yet God invited Moses to stretch out his hands. I think of Joshua and the stopped Jordan River. As soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, this is as the Israelites were journeying into the promised land, uh, and the feet of the priests were bearing the ark, dipped in the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and were completely cut off. Again, God could have stopped that water in their tracks and have them go across, but he invited the priests to participate in his fullness by putting their feet into the water and having the water stop then and there. I think of Mary hearing that she will become a mother. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child will be born and we will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. And she was a willing and ready to serve in this way. I think of the disciples being called. Jesus saw the two brothers there, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. God could have done that on his own, but he required and needed people to be a part of it. 
And so he invited the disciples to join him and participate in his fullness. You see, in each one of these stories, we see God using his people to live out and to enact his fullness and his good and his perfect will. And up until now, we've seen God, the immeasurable one, immensely full of power, full of grace, and full of glory, and full of love. And now it's Paul's prayer that we would get to participate in that very fullness. And we get to do more than just simply tap into little bits and pieces of it all. We we get to do more than just receive small little elements here and there. But we are invited to live within his fullness, to participate and to partake in all of its fullness. And God invites us to experience his fullness as he sends us out on to mission, as he uses us to parent our children, uh, as he uses us to parent our children, as he uses us to be neighborly in our subdivisions, to model the Christian work ethic in our workplaces, to love and to care for our fellow students as we go to school each day, and to share in God's goodness as we evangelize to the entire world. And who knows how we might have the biggest impact Who knows who will receive us in whatever way that they will receive us? Well, I want us to consider just how many people were impacted by these five stories. Think of the scope of how big the Israelite nation was and the the nations that they were conquering and overcoming and inviting to. Think of the countless people that were affected by the obedience and prayers of godly people seeking out to do the Lord's work. Think about the countless people that are continuing to live out now the promises of God because these biblical men and women were obedient and were faithful to God's voice. Think about the countless people that are now continuing to live the promises of God because the men and women in these stories all were faithful and all were obedient. I'm going to flip it around a little bit. Think about the countless people that invested into your life so that you might just be where you are right now. Think about the prayers of your your grandparents, of your ancestors. Think about the efforts that they made that you could live where you live now so that you could live freely in the ways in which you do. Think of the countless people that invested into your life so so that you might be where you are right now. And they had no clue who you are. Think of their efforts. You see, we don't always get to know those whom we have the most impact on. But God, through his spirit and through his son and through his greatness, is able to weave together this amazing tapestry of our collective lives so that his purposes are fulfilled, so that his kingdom will grow. But think again for another moment. Think of the impact of how your prayers, about how your petitions, and how your obedience would have upon future generations. I'll say it again. Think about the impact that your prayers, that your petitions, and that your obedience will have upon future generations. Paul here knows that none of this is our own doing. It's all the work of the Lord, by the Lord, and for the Lord. And so he closes this amazing prayer with these astounding words. And he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now I'm going to close in prayer. And when I'm done, 
Let's close our prayer together saying these same verses. So let's pray. So Lord, we, we thank you, God, for the preserved prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for working in Paul's heart almost 2,000 years ago as he penned these words, as he prayed and lifted up his audience in Ephesus, as he perhaps even thought about us as we are here still listening to his prayer. Thank you, Lord, for preserving these words over these many years. So, Lord, may we continue to receive inner strength from and through the Holy Spirit. May daily we sense and feel your renewal at work in us each and every day, and God use us to help others experience the same. May we continue to experience Christ's foundational love, that indwelling presence of your Son in our lives amongst us. And may we continue to live in that joy and that hope so that others will sense and feel that something is different amongst us. And God, may we continue to grow into your infinite fullness, understanding, Lord, that you have something very big and something very large happening amongst us in this world. And that, Lord, you invite us to participate in all of it. So, Lord, may we be obedient in our actions and in our words, being a part of this amazing solution of your kingdom that you have for us here on earth. God, grant that this week we would be able to see you at work and they would be able to recognize your hand upon us as we live. These things we pray in your holy, mighty, and precious name. Amen. Church family, let's read this verse once again, closing our tiger together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And God's people say, Amen. Gateway family, may we all become future prayers.